Hello everybody and welcome to the TT Podcast, the podcast where we talk to one person from the world of the TT to discuss their lives, their journeys and their ambitions with the greatest motorsport and event in the world. Now you may notice already we're not in the studio. That is because we're currently on the island for the Manx GP. What's the Manx GP you might ask? Well, it's essentially the amateur's version of the TT. This is where people cut their teeth before they head to the big leagues of the TT. Now, there's also, I don't know if I'll get through this, there's also something else missing from the studio. Steve is unfortunately away. He's, um, he got an email last week about a Bitcoin mine over in the Andes. So he's off in search of his fame and his fortune. But never fear, because we have someone just as charismatic, just as humble, and just as intelligent. Well, I say that, we couldn't get any of that. So we got Lee Johnson instead. Lee? I don't know whether that's a compliment or an insult, just referring to them things. One of everything. Yeah, it's good to be here. Obviously, to be in your presence at any time, at any event, is a privilege. So, Special, right? Yeah, yeah. You're going to be our co-host for the next couple of podcasts. Whoa, whoa, whoa. When I signed up to this, I was... Sorry, you'll be the... Me and... Me There's and, your camera. Yeah, yeah, Go. Sorry. I don't even need to speak. They See? know. The real, the real fans know. <laughs> you don't need to speak. You don't need to say a word. Are you uh, looking forward to this? Yeah, I am. It's it's a little bit different. Obviously, I'm used to sitting on the other side of the fence. So, um, yeah, I'm, I actually am genuinely excited. Thanks, mate. I, I, it'd be it'd be a shame to not start this with at least getting a bit of an update as to to where you're at, because you know, you've had a you've had a tough couple of months to say the least, right? <laughs> well, well, not really the last month because that's been mostly sat on the sofa. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's been hard. Uh, I've made no no secret of what I've gone through. Um, so, and I'm I'm sort of glad for that now. At the time, I probably I probably wasn't in the best mental state to be doing what I was doing with the vlog and stuff. But now I I genuinely I, I, for the amount of people that have approached me and are are grateful for what happened. That means a lot to me now. So um, yeah, we had some quite bad injuries. Most people understand or know of what the injuries were. So I'm not gonna gonna rant through all that but yeah we're getting better every week we're taking a step um and yeah we're getting there still not hanging the uh, the levers up just yet then unless this takes off right well this i'm not gonna lie this was sort of maybe a bit of, a, of a b option but now now all these guys are saying that i'm sort of the main deal it's like mm, don't worry, Steve, you'll never be forgotten. You've, you've just done that to psych me out, put him up there, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> He's literally overlooking you. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm not I, I'm not ready to hang them up just yet. We don't know the situation, to be honest. The shoulder um, is a bit of a tricky joint, is that the right word? Yeah. And yeah, quite a few, it's, it's ended quite a few racers' careers, so we're not at the point yet to know the full development of how far we can get with it. I think another month or so should be... There are thereabouts, and I don't want to make the decision when I'm not ready to, you know, physically or or mentally, mm-hmm. you know, ready to make it. So I'm going to try and get fit, try and ride a bike, and then I'm going to make the the call because I know you did sport and stuff, and you were happy to be midfield, but it's not really in me to do that. So <laughs> if, if if I'm not fit to be back at the average level that I was before, I've, I've got no interest. So that's sort of the situation we're in. Well, um, there's part of me that hopes you make it back, but I think there's a lot of people that'd like to see you 
with a microphone in your hand. What, whilst I'm riding the motorbike? <laughs> Could this maybe, be a new... <laughs> maybe on pit lane. Maybe on pit lane. Oh, no. I, it, Seeing as you're stealing his job here. Do you know what? So it's, it's strange. <laughs> it's strange. When the guys got me to do that at the TT, I felt... It was really hard because I know there are all my like we're, most of us are mates, and I know that the way I feel, and even I spoke to Hillier and Dean and people, and and they 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 were really kind to me and spoke and stuff, and then but I know in the back of their head they're going, why is he coming over here? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? When he knows that I don't want to talk, so I think it's still it's still um that was in my head. Do you know what I mean? Maybe if I did stop racing and that was sort of a different mindset, then I wouldn't care. Do you know what I mean? No. Shall we get on with this podcast? Why not? And the first guest we've got, you two have got something in common, haven't you? Yeah, something I'm not really proud to the fact that we crashed on the same corner on the same day. At the, well, he he copied me, really, because I crashed first. And it was like, if Lee, if Lee if can good, do it... If that corner's good, good enough for, for Lee Johnson, it's good enough for me. <laughs> How bizarre that you can both have a crash on the same corner and completely different obviously it put it put Nathan out of the TT but yeah it almost cost you your life and he kind of got up and yeah I'm, walked I, away it sounds bad I'm glad that he was better no obviously in the selfish thing I'd like to be better off yeah. but I'm I'm glad he was nowhere near in the in the state that I was do you know what I mean you wouldn't wish on that on your worst enemy never mind a, a kid from Onkin so um <laughs> no I'm glad and I'm I'm glad he's in the fit state to be able to ride the bike and stuff what uh, what are you going to bring to this podcast Humour? Oh, I don't know. I'm a bit cautious of like the charisma seeping out. I'm just trying mm. to contain that, you know. Well, try and contain it for the first one. We don't want to overload oh, yeah. the, the guests yeah. or the viewers or the listeners. Let's get him on, Nathan Harrison. Nathan, there's not many people that sit in front of us with a 100% record. I don't think we've ever had it. Five race starts. Five race finishes at the uh, at the TT. That's some going. It's not bad. It's not bad. Like you say, it was good for my first TT, but shame I didn't get to do it this year. I know. Gutted. Uh, we'll get into all of that yeah, shortly. Yeah. First up, let's go back to the question. Now, we asked you before the, the podcast started, what was your favourite episode of the podcast? You didn't have an answer for me. Oh, it's been, it'd been too long since I watched one. Of course. But, but you've heard the first question that we always ask. The first question is, when we're rolling up through the gantry into no man's land... We get right to the start line. Guy grabs you on the, the shoulder. Eyes are on the flag, waiting for it to go down. What's going through your head in those moments? What, what process are you going through? And how does, it, how does it differ from that start line to letting that clutch out? It's like a mix of emotions, really, isn't it? You're, initially, you're, you're, you're nervous. Nobody's not nervous. Um, but it's excitement as well. Like you look down Glencrush Road, I could go down there every day, but it's never the same as when the road's shut. There's nobody in front of you. And that feeling of like, normally you have to wait like 12 months don't you each time and um yeah no it's like the the, the best feeling in the world is there never not a day when you drive down there because you are local you live literally what is it five minutes yeah five minutes up the road is there ever a day you drive down that road and not think about it and just drive past it and go oh oh yeah that's the start line not really no, yeah not really at all i i, I literally live and breathe the tt um i i always go the way the tt course is normally just to obviously spice it up and see what's going on especially when like the lead up to the things um so like coming up to like this week and stuff like that i'm always been going around the tt course that's like that way just to see what's going on and you never don't get excited about it do you know what i mean it's just there's nothing like it is there well that's it we we come if we're lucky two or three times a year and every time i see it i'm like 
for and I don't even race it, so you must feel the same. Yeah, it's it's something like I've thought about even before this that being Manx, I, I've got quite a few questions actually involving that being the course and even having the locals. Like when I come here, I leave home and it's you go to work. Yeah. Like whereas he, you still stay in your own house, you stay in your own bed. Do you know what I mean? You get up every morning. He lives. He's very proud to be from Ankin. He's not actually from <laughs> Douglas, so that's it. Even though it's all in the same town, but let's get that up. in there. Um, yeah. So it's literally, and like you said, he gets up every morning, most mornings to go to work, and possibly drives that direction or on that road. And it's something like I've I've spoke to Connor about quite a lot. Yeah. You know the the feeling of it's the same piece of road that takes him to work every day is the the best racetrack in the world. Yeah. It's like the, there's nowhere else in the world that can possibly like people can't go to Monza or Brands Hatch yeah. and they don't drive down do part of Kill to get to work. It's like a completely different scenario. Monaco. You could do that in Monaco. If yeah, you but that's very, cars. But no no one, one's interested no one in cars. Though, oh, yeah, they don't drive to work. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd, I wondered if you'd, you'd eventually just get to the point where it's you don't even think about the TT when you're doing it. But I suppose, and what I've found from talking to everyone, it's so, it, like the TT is ingrained yeah. in anybody that takes part or has anything to do with it. Yeah. So you can't go down there without... You, you never like the TT is the TT. There's nothing like it, is there? You're never gonna forget it and never not get excited about it. It's like you say, Brands Hatch. Anybody, any punter can go ride around Brands Hatch, can't mm-hmm. they? Like track day or whatever. But there's only a select few of lucky people that can go and race around the TT course. So knowing that you, it's gonna be coming up in like six months or a month or even twelve months, even after the TT's finished, I go past there and I'm gutted watching everything getting taken down. But um, yeah, you just there's nothing like it in the world, is there? That must be a strange feeling as well. I think even the other side of things that people would never even think of. So he goes into his local shop. There'll probably be still programs left, still yeah. some sort of monster marketing or advertising yeah. to do with the TT. People on the Isle of Man don't like buying clothes, so all the free free <laughs> merch they'll have, they'll have blagged off. So there's somebody wearing it. Like no matter where you walk, there's a TT jumper yeah. or a cap or a Manx. You know, like the, yeah. all that all Everywhere. the time. Like if you've seen someone in England wearing one, it would be like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you, yeah. You, you do see it, you know what I mean, at an event or whatever, but it would be very rare to walk into Leeds City Centre. And Whereas if you walk into Douglas or Onken, there's there's, there's someone, do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's always there all the time, I think, for someone like Nathan. Yeah, it's pretty special. Right, take us back. Let's, let's go, because we said right at the start again, Lee, we said we'll go back, we'll talk about Nathan's start, and you were like, well, it was only, what, two weeks ago. <laughs> but... There's been some major moments in your in your career in that short space of time that that you've had it. Let's go back to the start. When did racing start? Was it off road? Was it straight up to Jerby? Uh, what yeah. went down? Off road. It was. Um, I was four. I was four years old, and I was there was a. I always used to watch Joey Dunlop. I can't remember that. It's like it was. Can't remember the the name of the video, but it was like him, um, and. He always used to get this bike and bump started down the road and it was like cows coming out of the field and all that. And then some fellow on a tractor. And it was like, and I was just like, I wanted to be Joey Dunlop. Do you know what I mean? And then, so that was like my initial thing. I always used to want to be Joey Dunlop. So I was begging my mum and dad for a, a motocross bike to get, get started because it's a bit different over here. There's not really like any mini motos or anything like that. So it was motocross. And then my dad spotted a, a, a that's like back when there was like a notice board and there was a notice board in the local co-op in Onken, uh, Onken. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, it was a KTM 50 and he went back home he's like can I please get it for him can I please get it for him it's his birthday in a few weeks can I please get it for him so I was like oh um, wait so this is your dad yeah my dad was begging my mum begging your mum yeah to get the bike for me because I was desperate for a motocross bike 
So she's like, oh, just go, give you, if you, if you really want to get it for him, get it for him. So that's how it went. On my uh, fifth birthday, I, t- yeah, I was four, I was turning five. So on my fifth birthday, I, um, I went to open my present. I was like, oh, I just got some like, it's actually a picture. I'll have to get the picture on Facebook. I had some overalls. They weren't no motocross gear or anything, so a bicycle helmet and a pair of trainers. <laughs> so I didn't really, really care that much about my safety. Um, but yeah, I was like, oh, that's all right. So I put that on thinking I was the boy. And then uh, walked around the corner and there was a KTM 50 sat there. So I spent the rest of my birthday riding around the garden with my dad chasing after me. Amazing. Um, fully auto? Yeah, fully auto, yeah. So I did that for a few years. Um, I think every, I think the whole neighbourhood actually come around. They all come around and had a go. It <laughs> did get ghosted into the hedge at one point. Some fella thought he could do it on his own. I think it was my next door neighbour. Um, so there was that. And then um, from there onwards, then, I just did the schoolboy motocross in the Isle of Man. Um, I won one of the championships there. And I think that's when my mum and dad knew they were stuck with me doing bikes. But it's like a family thing, isn't it? You always go, you always go and do, like we're always together at the weekends and stuff like that. So it was, as much as they probably worried about it, they enjoyed it because every weekend we were away like together. Together, yeah. So um, my dad probably wouldn't say that when I used to sneak off to the shower and he in the winter was cleaning my bike at like six, seven o'clock at night. But yeah, so we went down that road, did motocross. And then as soon as I got to the age of, wanting to go road racing it was like 12 in the Isle of Man um so I did I got that for my for Christmas coming up to that season um and I did the super teens I don't know if you remember that yeah, yeah. series did oh, that so over on the mainland you moved yeah you moved, moved to the, I did that first before I went to Jerby um because I just wanted to go and experience different tracks you know what I mean Jerby isn't anything special is it so I wanted to try and get out there and basically learn and move up the ranks and try and get somewhere like I think that's where like Carl Crutchlow and that started wasn't it at the super teens and mm. wherever else so I did that but then I had a bright idea of there's a 125 um GP bike so like what they ran in British super bikes at the time I was like oh I was desperate for one of them so I begged them for one of them they got me one of them and then I went to JV on it to have a run on it in, in the super teen year that was 2012 um and I bogged it off the, the line. And then next minute I had a start line crash because I was with like steel frame 600s and stuff. So I got smashed in the side. Yeah. Um, then the, I had, had a carbon fiber fuel tank on it. So the fuel went all over me, burnt me. And I broke my femur in two places when I was 15, I think I was. So 2012. So that's really early in your career. Like yeah. Most kids get to a decent point. Yeah. Like I get yeah. kids all the time on a Whitham tractor and they're like, oh, my or dad's and my kids are me as and like, has he had a big crash yet? Because that's normally, if he's still interested after that, then... Yeah, you know, you know what I mean? Really, but that's yeah. really young to have a... Yeah, I was thi- big... I was definitely 13. I was 13 and then I got flown away to all the hay and I had to get a plate and screws and everything in my femur. So that was 2012 wiped out. Um, but then that's what the, I think my mum and dad maybe thought, oh, this is going to be the turning oh, yeah, point. The, yeah, yeah. They, so hope, they hoped yeah, they that, hope that was going to be the turning yeah. point. And then I was like, straight away, I was like looking for different fairings for it. And I was like, oh, can we get these ones? Can we get that one? So the focus was getting it back together. So we did all that. And then they're like, I think they thought, oh no, he's not, he's not, he's not losing interest here. So what I did then in 2013, cause it was like, that was like May, 2012. So I spent the rest of the year, obviously recovering and everything else. I got the screws and the plates out in the winter. And then in 2013, I went back to the super teens. Cause obviously I would have lost, um, like confidence and everything so yeah. I was like went from like the front of super teens right back to the bottom and I was like and I think that was demoralizing me a little bit but I knew they were like saying you're not going to just go straight back you've not rode a bike and you had a big crash 
And then something just clicked in the middle of the year. Um, I was at Cadwell Park the weekend before the TT, and I went back up to like fifth. So um, that was obviously the confidence like coming back in me. And then, yeah, it just went from there, went to 650s. Uh, I actually stayed at Jerby for a year while I was on the 650s because I wasn't really a class around that time in 2000. That's like when the Super Twins started coming around. Yeah. You know, like TT started to introduce them and stuff like that. And then, yeah, so I spent a year and then that was when the 600 come along in 2015. And then it went a bit peak tongue again. I did two rounds and crashed. My brother crashed on the first left-hander at Jerby. I crashed on the second left-hander. And fortunately for me, my brother's one was the slowest left-hander and mine was the fastest left-hander. And uh, I hit the... I was literally, I was all right. I was sliding down the tarmac, but then it was like a, it was like a ramp when I hit the grass. Cause like you say, Jerby is a bit feral. Yeah. So I hit that. And then I was just like cartwheeling head to toe and I, everything, every time I landed, it was like points for breaking bones. So yeah, I ended up breaking quite a few things. So for people that are listening and they think of racetracks, Cadwell, Donington, Brands Arch, try and describe, have you been to Jerby? Yeah. Right. Between you, try and describe what Jerby's like to someone who's never been. <laughs> I think, I think the closest thing in England would would be maybe Croft, maybe yeah. Dar- Croft Dar- is Croft or Darlingmore. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Darling, yeah, yeah. Darling would be a better, yeah. a better. Which is just a, yeah. basically just a big. Basically, triangle. what was an airfield, yeah. which yeah. would most tracks in England started off life as, yeah, and yeah. then which that that's what Jerby is as well. Yeah. So it's the flat bit of tarmac that was already there. They still use like cones for corners and stuff. So yeah, there's yeah. no like curves or yeah. anything like that. So when he was going for a good lap time, they'd obviously move the cone. <laughs> this is what this is what he's been known it, yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sure. like in golf, you bring your own ball, he brought his own cones and just, uh, just, just move, move, move the, the track. <laughs> yeah, it's about 500 meters shorter on a good lap time. <laughs> but tell us how how hard. Just going back to like super teens and and going back to the mainland. For an islander, how hard and how much hard work is it for your parents and the whole family to up every couple of weeks, get on the ferry, go over to the mainland? Because again, yeah. wherever you, unless you kind of go into Alton Park, you've got a massive drive on your hands when you're on the yeah, mainland. It's not even that. It's you're you're five six hundred pound down before you actually get there. So like yeah. Lee, for example, I know you didn't used to live there, but yeah. now he lives on the mainland. For so if he goes to Brands Hatch, it's just fuel, isn't it, to yeah. get to Brands Hatch? Whereas Initially, I had like five, six hundred pounds boat fare to get off the island and then the fuel to yeah. get down to Brands Hatch. So that was a big hit. The steam packet did used to like give like races and stuff like a discount and stuff like that. Um, luckily enough, now I am like fully supported, so that's like a massive help. Um, but you have to like climb up the tree, you know, and then like prove that you're not just gonna be like a one year wonder See, or whatever. You're not fine though, like this is maybe I was different, but. That was a massive motivation. For, so obviously when I lived in Ireland and my dad, it was like us two just went to do junior superstar. And I am i don't know about most people, but the drive home when you've had a bad weekend oh, with your dear. dad, <laughs> you have to drive from Brands Hatch <laughs> to the ferry. You're on the ferry. Then Every the night. next day, and we worked together then yeah. as well. It was like, that was a long time oh. for you to have it. So if there was any motivation to have a good weekend, it was like... Yeah. For the yeah. happy trip on the way yeah. back. That's it, because like the boat to Northern Ireland probably the same... So we used to go up to Haitian and it was like quarter past two in the morning. It's still yes, the same yeah. now. So overnight, I'd go home, have a shower, have my breakfast. And go to work. Yeah, or school then, then then to work. And it's like people in the UK, they're back home, aren't they? At half 10, 11 o'clock yeah. latest at night. They just go to bed and then wake up and go to work or whatever they do. So yeah, it is like, a, like Lee said, it is a massive motivation because you realise the effort you've got to put in. It's twice as much, isn't it? You've you got to take a day off work or school earlier 
then like you say you're knackered for the rest of the week because like, it's like a jet lag isn't it all week you've been racing all weekend people think it's like one big jolly but it's not putting like an on and up putting it all down racing um yeah so it is like a, it does motivate you more to want to succeed and the family at this point are just doing it because you love it. There's no, there's no yeah. kind of well, let's if we keep pushing him, hopefully he'll get into World Superbikes, MotoGP, or something yeah. like this. Be TT winner. It's literally just he loves it, and yeah. we're gonna we're gonna support him and push him. That's it. In in racing, you get like a lot of pushy parents, don't you? Um, but to be fair, mine always used to just do it as long as I was happy. They were like, go and do what you want. Like my mum and dad never ever told me, oh go out and win this race or when I come, when I come back and I'm third they're like oh why are you third there's no good first you know what I mean we used to go as long as I come back with a smile on my face that's all I cared about yeah. same same now but um yeah so that's basically what we did it was just for enjoyment I don't know how they seen it as enjoyment do you know what I mean but <laughs> it was enjoyment for me but maybe they just seen it as they enjoyed it because I was happy so but like you say it's again it's all going as a family isn't it it's it's like a family it's like a family. You, there's not many families that can do that, is there? So yeah, I bet there's something special about going and spending the weekend, yeah, all together, working together for for yeah. the for the betterment of, of kind of you yeah. and your brother at the time. Yeah, I'm a brother. Yeah, can't forget my brother. He'll be kicking me. Out. Um, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he was actually the one. He was that good. Thought, yeah, bless <laughs> him. You know, we obviously spoke long and hard about this. And yeah. Obviously, he gave up his whole career. So I'm sure the yeah, spoiled so. one could have a you know what I mean a chance in, yeah. in life. But we can't. I was told not to bring that up. You know so. why? You know why that is like couldn't keep his end away. <laughs> 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 is that is that what happened? Did he yeah. find did he find women and yeah. that was it? Kids saved Nathan's career. My nephews, it. yeah, <laughs> I can thank my nephews for that. Um, but no, yeah, no, that's what happened to my brother. My brother was actually he was actually he raised the man. Yeah, he raised the man. As, da- as your dad did. Yeah, and yeah, my yeah. dad. Yeah, it was like a, my dad. My brother actually wasn't interested in it originally. He, I got a motocross bike at the age of five. And he was into football and everything. And then a year later, I think he was like, oh, I fancy a bit of that. So he got one and it went from there, really. And then, yeah, it just went up through and he ended up doing the Manx and whatever else. Um, and he he was good. He just didn't get going off the start. Should have really won a Manx Grand Prix, but mm. he wouldn't mind me saying that. And no, no, no other sports tickled your fancy while you were uh, growing up? No, I can't run or anything. I'm like a... <laughs> I can't, I can't really say it. People that, at school, people used to take the piss out of me doing playing football because all I used to want to do is nail them, try and break their legs. <laughs> I couldn't play it, so the most excitement I had, it was, was like... Tackling. Yeah, tackling, yeah. So, like, all the best footballers, they used to have, like, you know when you used to choose your teams or whatever? They're like, they used to choose me and my other friend because they knew that at least their legs wouldn't get broken. <laughs> but, yeah, so no. As far as your skill went yeah. with football. I actually do watch a bit of football. I'm into football now, like, watching it, but I can't play it. I'm like the Toei King. Am I... Are you... Did you used to play football? Yeah, I played football until like, I was about 14, 15. To yeah. a fairly high standard? Yeah, played for my county and everything. And yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I just couldn't cope with the fact that if... You get paid I'd, too I'd much money. Had, yeah, I didn't want all that money, fame. all that fame. Yeah, it's just, I really wanted a sport where you had to sell everything to be able to do it. That, that was my driving force in, in playing football. Literally sacrificed everything. Yeah, my poor dad, like he drove me around the country for years playing football and I literally came home one day and I thought, it's not for me, Dad. That was it. And he was, oh, he was fuming. Did you start racing bikes by then? I had bikes as a kid and stuff, but yeah. then obviously took it seriously then from sort of 14, 15, which is late now, really. Oh, you know? yeah. yeah. I was I was old before I'd even started. Imagine how good I would have been then. It would have been amazing. Yeah. It's... You wouldn't be sat here now, I'll tell you that. <laughs> for no uh, yeah. Play yeah, for I'd be leads. better off doing that, wouldn't I? I wouldn't <laughs> be sat in here either. <laughs> so anyway, let's let's get back into it. Yeah. This 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 building of this career. So we started road racing. Went yeah. to the six fifties with the twins. Yeah. And again, at any point here, are we thinking TT? 
Oh, the moment you got on a bike with oh, that was TT. always the aim yeah. yeah i didn't want to be like a, a bsb winner or a world superbike winner i didn't really even want to go to MotoGP. that wasn't like a lot of people that go to bsb and so they want to be a MotoGP, don't they yeah i think being from the isle of man and like you said we said before like seeing the tt course all the time and everything else i used to go and watch the bikes my dad was a traveler marshal after he finished racing so i used to go with my granddad and like a friend that used to race from wales so I used to like beg them to take me up the grandstand and stuff. It's funny, my granddad was only around me like that the other day. He said he used to um, we used to go up the grandstand and I used to be like love going around and asking like John and stuff for autographs. And he used to ring me on my phone. It's like I was old enough to get a phone and he used to ring me and I used to like keep on declining the phone call and running around the grandstand so he couldn't find me. <laughs> but he said that you remember that? He said, You never change, you're still always up there. <laughs> but um yeah, no, that was always the thing. I always just wanted to be like a TT rider and hopefully one day win a TT. Still not got that far yet, but it's not. It's got. I've got a long way to go before I can hopefully try and do something like that. But um, yeah, that was always the aim, just to be a TT rider. And then the next step, or, or the first step, should I say, is always the Manx mainly. Yeah, the Manx Grand Prix. I. Some people go. I think it's a bit different now. There's a bit of a better structure to go to the TT. Um, like they've got like a proper structure, haven't they, to introduce newcomers? Yeah. Um, whereas like when I first did it, it was like there was like a newcomers race and stuff like that. So I wanted to go that route just certain there was like less pressure um i could go there stay under like the radar just build up slowly i did two manx grand prix um the first year like i had suzuki's and my bikes were blowing up every five seconds so i think i did like seven laps um so like seven laps of practice i was leading the newcomers race then it blew up and then we like bodged together some engine for the senior we weren't sure it was going to last but it was it wasn't too bad so i thought after that yeah i don't want to go to the tt and my dad always like said, he said, there's no point going to the TT unless you're doing 120 or you're just going to be like a rolling chicane and you're not going to be up, up yeah. to the, you know, like the standard you want to be. So I've come back the following year and I got a Honda um, and it was like, a, that was the start of the story then to the yeah. next stage. So before that though, how did we go about learning the circuit? Did we, because we just spent so much time on the island, we just knew it. Yeah. Or did you really do your homework, watch those on boards like everybody else, play the game, yeah. and then taking the laps in? And did you have anyone to, to kind of mentor you around the track as well? Yeah, so I didn't really play the game. I, I don't think that really... I, personally, for me, I don't think that really helps. But I used to just go... As soon as I could drive, I'd, I'd just go out and do laps all the time. Mm. Like, Saturday night, I'd go and get a McDonald's or something and go... I wasn't really like he means salad after yeah. the gym and then he would say, drive around the track. I wasn't really like into my fitness or anything then like I wasn't really too too bothered about that so I go get a McDonald's big quarter pounder or something <laughs> sit in the car park finish that and then go go for a lap around the TT course and yeah I'd do that and I always just I, well, I still, still do now I love when the bikes come in and then like caked and flies I just think it's like proper TT mm-hmm. So I used to go over in my van trying to see how fast I could go over the mountain to see how many flies I could get on the front of it. So, yeah. And then my dad was like, you're mental. What? I don't know why you've got this obsession with flies, but you know you're going fast then, don't you? Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? The got more flies, the, flies, the faster you're going. Exactly. So um, that was, I used to basically just do that, laps up and laps. And then for my first TT, actually, Dean was actually quite good with me, Dean Harrison. Mm. Um, he was doing the classic TT as it was then. And he'd come along and just say, try this on this section. But he wouldn't overload it. He was like, I'll teach you on like this first section try and do this here and there and then build up to it and go from there. So, but other than that, I didn't really go around with too many people. I used to literally watch on boards. I think I've watched the John McGuinness on board like a million and one times. And then I still watch it now. And then yeah, just literally drive around and familiarize yourself with Cause I think when you ride them around, it might be different, but when you ride them around, you can, 
go around with somebody, but when you actually put your helmet on and ride down, you, I think you forget a, a lot of the stuff that people have said because you're just concentrating on what you're doing. Yeah, it's so, a completely different yeah, piece, the, I guess, the, as well. But even like what you said about the game and stuff, I can't, I can't register yeah. that either. And like I've even sometimes I've had people come to me that like I'm newcomer at the Manx and they go, "Oh, what do you do here and everything?" And it's like, a you feel a little bit. I don't want to ever tell somebody something if something happened, yeah, you know, yeah. like that sort of way, which would never enter your head in a short circuit. You literally go break there, or turn in there, or change the key, and it's like yeah, it yeah. doesn't matter. But here, it's different. And then the other thing is, like, I might be getting there and not even rolling, or you notice, like, when we come here to do the manx, you'd be going through somewhere flat, and you don't even think of that. Whereas that'll yeah. be down a gear and cheat. Like, there's the, the the variation of things is massive, even in with the speed, top riders. Which never speed, mind, right? yeah. yeah, someone that's not. So yeah, I, I would struggle to even. But I think the biggest thing is is if you want it bad enough, you learn yourself and you figure it out yourself. Is that the, is and that then what it goes in the bank, yeah. And you can't. I know some people can give you pointers yeah, like yeah. you said and stuff, but it's normally always simple things, you know, like this phone box or this bus stop or this curb or this yeah. thing and Milky tells you all them yeah, things yeah. now anyway do you know what and I mean and does that so, go out like you said Nate does that go out of your head at the not moment big you're... things yeah. but if he's saying little things you know like oh there's a bump there remember this that and the other and it's sometimes until you hit it or you do something mm. wrong yeah, then, then it's realize. in the bank you know yeah. then you're like whoa that's not happening again but like I said if, if I turn it's around and said all the things I use as a reference might not be him yeah it's yeah. a lot of yeah. it's a lot of things yeah it still baffles me that you can that you can learn it because I play the game quite a bit and I still it just takes really intelligent people to be able to write <laughs> which is why I never made it but yeah no the, the game yeah I, I, I just think that I think when you live here as well things look different on the game to real life so I think with me it confuses mm. it confuses you more I know some people that have never been to the Alaman it's completely different isn't it because they can get a visual for where yeah. they're going yeah. but when you see it in real life you're like that phone box is like this bit 10 metres yeah, back yeah, yeah. yeah so it's like it is like hard for the game, but and plus it proper pisses me off that like you can't like every five seconds you like crash, don't you? Maybe you're useless at a game. So basically, it means that he's crap at the game <laughs> and you just can't get far enough to learn. The, Gets a quarter bridge, crashes, crash. turns it off. But, but yeah. even the other big thing is like you said about watching the John McGuinness um, on boards, and like I'm not being funny, but like I said, people say, "Oh yeah, I've learned this bit." I'm like, you're sitting on your sofa, yeah, on your phone watching and i'm like you can't even by the time you get to sitting in the injury 170 yeah, mile an hour 60 mile an hour yeah I'm telling you now you think you think that's a kink and over a bit of a crest and a bump and yeah all them things don't happen on your sofa on your phone yeah. you know what i mean your brain takes that in and feels it you're like Ugh. yeah so even if, if there's one thing knowing where the track goes but knowing what it feels what like, like when it goes that way and trying to you know, preempt them things. That's a massive. Yeah. You know, you can't teach until yeah, like yeah. sometimes people will come to you before they've even done a lap, yeah. And then there's no reference because you've literally sat in a van, looked yeah. at a video, and I'm mm -hmm. like, mate, come yeah. back at the end of the week, and then it'll I'll say something, and they'll it'll go, oh yeah, I felt that. Yeah, or, yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's like like you said. That's the reason why I mainly do it. It's more like it's more like visual. If you know what I mean, like if you watch an onboard lap, it's not to see how high he jumps over Black Bridge or anything like that. It's just to see like. It's just like the repetitiveness, I yeah. think. You know, like it's you know the line yeah. stuff where how it walks on the camera. It's like and then driving around in the van, like you say, driving around in the van at like 30, 40 mile an hour through Kurt Michael is nothing what it's like <laughs> when everything's going mental through on, on your bike. But it's just the visual of you know where the road goes and yeah. how it's gonna seem to look, if you know what I mean. So prior to being a TT or a Manx TT rider. You've only, you've only ever gone up and down Glencrutchery Road going back and from to work or going yeah. out on a night out. 
So the first time they get you up on that road, on that start line, and they go, off you go, mate. Yeah. The road to close for you. How did that feel? It's mental. Yeah. It is proper mental. I, I, I kind of felt like that the other day. It was like, when you go for like snugger and stuff, you, I think your brain starts to think, right, you're kind of doing this now. Do you know what I mean? It's like, everything's, everything's like settling down and you're like, what the hell is going on? It's like, my first thing, my, when I first did it initially, was it's like it shouldn't be allowed you know what i mean it's like it doesn't feel real like you're going down <laughs> this road i'm doing like 160 mile an hour i normally do 30 mile an hour it's like signs that say 30 mile an hour and then everyone's going like flashing it flashing at you it's just like yeah that was like my initial thing is like you shouldn't be allowed to do this kind of thing see like it's quite common for people to think that nathan and connor are at an advantage because oh they're manks they know they know where <laughs> yeah. everything goes yeah but actually in my head i see it as a a disadvantage because they're Used always on the same road driving at 30 mile an hour 40 mile an hour it's like it's the it's more wrong do you know what i mean it's wrong for yeah, us but yeah. i don't i don't like I, I very rarely drive a lap or do anything so the only time i'm on that actual bit of road is doing my job yeah so in my head that's all it is whereas we see it and he sees it every day going you know about yeah, go yeah, to yeah. his auntie's house because <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, it's, it's a completely flip side he has to really switch his brain off yeah. rather than to me it's just like oh well when i go over the mountain i'm going flat out that's it there's yeah. no there's never even a thought of something's coming the other way she, or she yeah, yeah essentially <laughs> that is it you know there's no but he's going flat out in his van well yeah, true. getting flies yeah <laughs> so it must it must feel pretty um strange when you're doing that in middle of december middle of january when the tt's so oh, far I, off I, and... yeah i do like if I'm bored in the winter or whatever, I will go and do a lap. Just something to do. It's not much to do in the Alaman, is there? It's a bit derelict. <laughs> he's, sell, he's selling the place. <laughs> if you want to come here on holiday, get yourself over in Don't January and that. kill flies. With me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I mean. You can't even catch flies in January. It's too cold. <laughs> um, but no, it's like in say like December and January it is like it is completely different. Mm. There's no wreck to sell out. The trees like or well, there's no leaves on the trees. It is like. I never take anything for gospel at that time of year. Do you know what I mean? Because come April, May, yeah. or say April, everything's starting to change and it looks like how the TT course is going to look. Whereas like in January, it's just, like you say, I just go around. It's just good to do a lap. It keeps it in your memory and whatever else. But um, it's also something to do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, the biggest thing you said there is like the trees and stuff. So there's a lot of places at the TT that are dark, like not dark, yeah, but yeah. like a lot darker mm. than open, like the mountain or whatever. So if you imagine certain places like that in wintertime there's no leaves on it's yeah. like it's light yeah. then as well yeah. so it, it's a completely different, different outlook yeah. yeah and you could see through things that you probably can't see oh yeah something you wouldn't even think of until like i that would never even enter my yeah. head because i've never drove around here killing flies in january if there is how many how many points on the tt course you'd be able to actually see through if there wasn't yeah. any leaves it was like glen helen and everything yeah. isn't it it's like yeah is it, it you can de definitely tell a difference that's why that's how I, I obviously know, but it's like, it's even the grandstand. The grandstand just looks like in in the winter. It's just like there's no banners. There's nothing. It's just like a building in Douglas. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's 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 weird. It, and then all of a sudden it just comes to life in a matter of months. Yeah. Know? Right. Before we wrap up this part, the first part, and we've not even really spoken about your TT. Let's go back to the Mike's GP. You did the double there on your second time being there. Yeah. How did how was that? How did that feel to be a a Mike's GP winner? Yeah, it's like I, I love the Max Grand Prix. Like you say, my brother's done it, my dad's done it. It's been like a big part of our family, like uh, like in our racing careers. Um, 
Unfortunately for them, I'm better than them. They never won one. <laughs> my dad likes to say he didn't have the machinery, and my brother likes to say he didn't have a Honda. That's his excuse. I know. Yeah. So I think his brother would have won one before him. 100%. I hope he sees this. <laughs> he always listens to me. He'll definitely be listening. Um, but yeah, no, it was like a massive thing. And we come together. I, I'd obviously, in 2015 as well, I had the, like a big accident where, obviously, where I ended up breaking so much stuff. So that was like two years of my career lost. So... In my, people start young, well, I tried to start young and try and get like an advantage and I ended up spending like three years in hospitals. Yeah. So it was like another big thing. That was like my next comeback. I'd come back in and I was like, right now as a Manx Grand Prix, I did a year on a 600 again, got up to speed, got confident. I was like, my dad was like, you're not going around the TT course unless you don't crash like once or twice in the year. So I was like, so I was like going around everywhere, trying not to crash. I was like, <laughs> I want to do the Manx Grand Prix. Um, so we went for that and then went into the Manx Grand Prix that when I was that winning year and I was like right now is the time that I'm going to come back and get over all that stuff and it's going to be like the start of a new chapter um and practice week was going good I was always like in the like the top three and the first two like always battling and I was like I know there's more in there so I waited till the last night of practice and did 100 I think I broke the junior lap record obviously it's unofficial in practice and I was like I know I could do this um and I was leading the junior race and I was getting excited because I, I think I was leading on the... It, was a, it went down to a three-lap race. I was like, leading and I, yeah, I was getting excited. I, 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 I seen a pit board. I was like... I, was, I did get like a little bit like loose, if you, if you like. I was like 19. So, sorry, 21. And I was getting a little bit excited. I was coming into the nook on the... I, I know all like the people in the nook. So on the first lap, all the marshals and... I was like coming to there, the one place that, where everyone knows me. I come in there, and the bike was like sideways, nearly locked up. And then like straight onto my dad at the end of the race. He's like, you come in, you come into the first lap into there. But I just got a board at the Craig Nabar saying P one. I was like, my my head was going everywhere. <laughs> um, so they were all like, he was out of shape coming into there in the first lap, but he wasn't like the second and third lap. But that was the lap. So I come into there, um, and it was a mandatory pit stop, I think, on lap two, because um, it was a three lap race. And I come in there, they were like shouting at me, pit limiter, pit limiter. And I was just revved up and then I flew out of there and it was like 70 something kilometers because I didn't hit the pit limiter after they shouted it. So I had one lap to get 30 seconds back and I was like 20 seconds down at Glen Helen or something like that. Um, was it a 30 second penalty in the yeah. pits? Yeah, he's maybe geeing 0.9 of a second <laughs> you get a 30 yeah. seconds. So I, th- that was it then. I was like, I knew exactly what I'd done. And there was a clip on YouTube for ages of me like passing like three bikes up the Battle of Hutchin. Um, but I knew I was like I've got I've just got a thirty second penalty there. Obviously I didn't know for definite, but it was, I knew I hadn't, hadn't hit the button. And I looked up and I was like I've got to do something about this. I'm not throwing this away. So it was like then I got to the black and it was like ten seconds. Ramsey was like six seconds. The bungalow was three. And then all the obviously that is that's when we're saying about the advantage of being Manx. I think you do have like a bit of like bias. Like all the marshals on the mountain were like giving me like big waves <laughs> and stuff like around the thirty second they're hanging in the road like waving at me. And I was like I must be pretty close. Um, and then at the Craig Nabar, there was like, it said like P2 plus 1.6 or something. So I like hung it out all the way around the end. But that was like the big one. That was a challenge. So after the junior, I'd won that. I got, got in the Tommy Club. I was happy. And I was like, in the senior, I'm just going to, that got pushed forward because of the weather. I was like, I'm just going to go out and enjoy myself and have some fun. And it was proper windy. So I come in on the pit stop on the second lap of the senior. And I was like to my dad, I was like, I can't get my head into this. This is it's windy I'm not feeling it he's like pull off then I was like I'm not pulling off I've got to wait till next year <laughs> yeah. till the TT so but then I after the pit stop I had a drink I don't know Leah probably knows what this is like I had a drink took a tear off off went out of the pits and I felt like a completely new person it was weird how like just like that stop a drink somebody talking to you I know it's all in like 50 seconds but yeah. it, it is like a 
Yeah, it was, it was probably the fear of your dad telling he was going yeah, to take your toy off, off you, yeah. take your bike off. So the little yeah. boy was like, no. I'll give it to your brother yeah. then. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and then Comfrey Bread and Bridge, I was like, I was like, where am I? Sorry, in the pits, I was like, where am I? He was like, you, you are in third or something like that. And I was like, so I've been riding around like a nausea for two laps and I can still, I'm still in third. I was like, I can do this. So I come out of Bread and Bridge and I was like, ready for it. Then I thought, it's two, lap, two laps of the TT course left that I'm not going to be able to do till next year, which ended up turning out to be two years, didn't yeah. it, because of COVID. So I'm glad I didn't take get off the bike. And um, obviously the Senior Manx Grand Prix, the locals, it's probably only mainly locals that watch it, really. There's not really many other people that come over to watch the Senior Manx Grand Prix. Um, so there was, I was getting some encouragement from there. And then it said on the last lap, it was like P2 plus eight. And I ended up winning it by like 17 seconds and did like 122 at the Manx, which was pretty good. I think it was like... I think there's not many people that have gone over 122 mm. is there at the Monks Grand Prix. Oh. So, yeah, no, that was like a big part of the next step to my career then. Um, I thought I stayed on Hondas and then got off Fireblade and went and did some mileage then to get ready for the TT. Um, and I think with the TT getting cancelled in 2020, um, I think that actually did help me because mm. I'd never rode a like, well, sorry, I'd never rode a thousand before in my life. Um, I thought, it's not actually that long between the Manx Grand Prix and the TT. It's winter to start with straight away. Then you come out of the winter and the TT, you, as you know, it does come up pretty quick, oh, doesn't yeah. it? There's like two BSB rounds before it. You so, think it's miles away and the next yeah, minute yeah. you're on the, well, not for him, he's driving from on <laughs> but we're on the boat and you're like, Ooh. Yeah. So I was like, when TT got cancelled, obviously I was as gutted as everybody, no matter what. But when you look back now, I feel like that actually did help me massively because I got to spend a full year. 2020, I didn't do much because the Alaman was like, a lockdown place yeah. wasn't it it was like its own little like secret island where you could do whatever you want and stuff but then in 2021 i spent a full year then getting up to speed with no pressure building up we were away all the time um riding it and i was like then i was confident for tt 2022 and it went from there all right nathan let's pause it there we've still got loads to talk about your first tt your first senior tt and obviously that factory honda ride we've got plenty to discuss in the next episode in fact here's a clip right now and then in the superbike race I was like racing him again and I was, wanted to beat John McGuinness and I beat him and then we come in and I was like, I finally beat you and all this. And, and it, it didn't change. Um, even like this year, he knew that I just wanted to, everywhere we went, I just wanted to like beat him and he was like, I just want to get to the TT kind of thing and look what happened anyway. But um, he, all the way through that year, him and Harv were like giving me advice and helping with bits and pieces. And I think I built a relationship with John and then I think John, when Glenn moved, John basically said, why don't you try a young person try and nurture mm. them through, which was the plan. If you want to catch the rest of this episode, it's available to watch right now over on TT Plus and it is completely free to sign up. Or alternatively, hit that subscribe button on this podcast feed to get a notification when the audio drops next week. IOMTTRacers.com is the place to check out all the latest TT news plus information on how to subscribe to TT Plus, which again is free. Lee, where are we at on socials? can watch my youtube if you want and if you don't want to watch that go to <laughs> tt races official across all social media platforms late until next week see you then mate bye